He does not find me funny. I've only made him laugh one time. One time, seven Christmases ago. I was in D.C. I called my wife up. I go, yo, what do you want for Christmas? My wife's like, pajamas. That's what I heard. Pajamas. She meant pajamas. I heard pajamas. She meant a pair of pajamas. Start there, Bert. I heard the plural. So I bought her seven pairs of pajamas and individually wrapped them. She had a lot of shit to open. And then sat back in the cut going, done, son. Bitch wants pajamas. Bitch got pajamas. All Christmas, I'm like, yo, open my gift. She's like, I'll get to it. I'm working with the girls. My dad's sitting next to me like, you must have killed it this year, buddy. I was like, you'll see. Finally, end of Christmas, she gets to my present. I've been talking about this present all Christmas. <laughs> Whole family gathers around. She opens the first pair, pulls them out, and just goes, oh, pajamas. <laughs> and immediately I think, fuck. <laughs> if that's her reaction to pajamas number one. I can't imagine it's gonna build. My dad's drinking whiskey and eggnog and just goes, who the fuck buys someone pajamas? She opens the second pair, pulls them out and goes, oh, more pajamas. My dad looks at the five unwrapped gifts, quickly does the math and goes, oh, you're a fucking idiot. By pajamas number five, he's going flipper on me, just Pajamas number six, the whole family's around her going, come on, pajamas. Come on, pajamas. Pajamas number seven, they are pissing themselves. Thinking, how could this get funnier? What they do not know is I've also bought my mom and sister's pajamas. You should have seen this man when my mom pulled her gift out from me and he was like, oh, it's motherfucking pajamas. Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which... It seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed, my colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, Aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whenever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified.
All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Rocket. What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. So Here with you on the Metal Time Radio podcast with another edition of the Classic Reflections. This time we were doing Typo Negatives October Rust from 1996. Uh, first off, um, I left out like three tracks. They're basically just like audio track or. Uh, they're like intro, outro kind of things. Yeah, it's the band, you know, Peter and company kind of talking on the mic about random stuff, just being kind of goofy, um, not really music related. Uh, there is one little, like, small instrumental later on in the album, but I'm just going to include that with the track that we're going to play after that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. Yeah, good stuff. Drinking my Westafoner Vitus. Love this beer. Great German beer. Uh... But yeah, what we do here is we basically go through, listen to the record track by track, and we will break it down how we feel about each song, whether or not, you know, the selections are basically albums that I know I love uh, as we go through this over the course of the next few years, however long we live. <laughs> uh, Neck will have some records that she obviously feels strong about that I like also, So, and I'm sure she's a big fan of Typo, so... Uh, she probably has no problems with this record at all. Um, I have no problem with this record at all. <laughs> I was singing it earlier. Yeah, well, you were singing the Blade Kisses uh, stuff, but um, but yeah, she'll she'll know this record very well. Like we're both big typo negative fans. Obviously, they're no longer. Peter's gone. I think he died in two thousand and ten or something. Oh, like it was that. earlier than that. I thought it was like two thousand three. No, it wasn't quite that early, but uh. It, uh, certainly unfortunate. Um, it was 2010. You're right. Yeah, because it was kind of close to when Dio died. I remember that. Wow, it's insane. Yeah, I know, right? It's already been like 12 years. But uh, the 2000s have like played tricks on me about how old I am. Like, 
I keep thinking it's the turn of the century. I keep thinking it's the early 2000s. But really, it's the 2020s, and I'm in my 40s, not my 20s. <laughs> so, there's well, that. Well, it does always affect me in terms of, like, certain things, like movies and shows. Like, I'm like... Because Sopranos started in the 90s, late mm-hmm. 90s, and then went into the 2000s. So I was like, man, really? Is that old? I always thought it was, like, 2000, but... Yeah, so it's kind of crazy just how things play out, but I remember seeing Typo in 95 um, opening up for Queensryche. That was the one time I got to see them uh, live, which was a lot of fun. Uh, But, you know, the band itself with Peter and everything has always kind of had a little bit of controversy around them, surprisingly. Uh, The first time I actually got introduced to them was Beavis and Butthead uh, for... um, Black Number One, which was being played on their uh, show at the time, so that's how I kind of like. I was like, "Oh, these guys sound cool, man! I really want to check this shit out." And I kind of remember going out trying to find the record after that, and it was not quite out yet. So Beavis and Butthead were kind of ahead of the game there by playing the video. They were. I feel. I feel like Beavis and Butthead were ahead on a lot of bands, don't you? Pretty much. I mean, they helped introduce people to a lot of stuff. I mean, Morbid Angel was on there. Um, you know, just a lot of different bands, and you know, I, obviously, I already knew who Morbid Angel was by that point. But that was kind of the cool thing is that whenever a band would pop up, you know, mm-hmm. you get to check them out, whether they were good or bad. Uh, this is interesting. Um, I did not realize that Peter Steele was as tall as he was. It says he was six eight, and uh, he um, had a very uh, bad uh, case of stage fright, and that's what kind of got him to drinking the red wine on <laughs> stage all the time. Yeah, I think I recall that. You know, he, it's funny because he—I don't want to say he was introverted, but he, he was very shy. And but you know, for a guy that was shy, like <laughs> you know, he was obviously a singer. But then on top of that, he did Playboy or Playgirl at one point, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, and he wasn't, he was kind of an outspoken guy, so they, you know, one of the controversies is their earlier stuff with Carnivore, some of the uh, lyrical content was supposedly racist, but, you know, I think the way that Peter explains it, it was a lot of it satirical, in which I, I, gr- I agree with, because Peter was always kind of a comedian in some ways, like, he was always kind of a smartass, so it doesn't shock me if the lyrics... You know, even if they they might come out sounding like they were kind of like a a racist point of view, was really more just from a a take on just uh, you know how silly racism is and stuff. And he's constantly had stated in interviews how it was a satire, basically, uh, with different songs that they did in the past. But you know, the controversy followed with him with the typo negative stuff because it was always about depression and drug he, use. He was he's he suffered from depression, uh, bipolar depression, yep. and had severe mood swings. And at one point, he was actually um, his family staged an intervention and put him into a mental institution, and um, he ended up being incarcerated for thirty days uh, yeah. as well. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, you can hear it, and it bleeds through his music and the lyrics. And but the thing about Typo is that they've always played very great music. Like it's just very. I just I caught on early. 
uh, you could say some of the stuff off of Bloody Kiss's head, like some more, you know, they always have like the gothic overtones, but they have a little bit of doom in them and they like a little bit of Sabbath influence. And of course, uh, it, it's almost like if you think of Black Number One, vampiric like. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but as it got into October Rust, it kind of become there's a lot of different things going on on that record. Some of it's a little bit more fun, upbeat, uh, in terms of, like, the, the, the feel of the music. But then again, you still have some of the more darker and uh, somber writing that they have. And we're going to experience that tonight, uh, going through this record. But uh, Oh, I, I didn't realize the cause of his death. So he was 48 when he died, um, and apparently from the years of, of heavy drug use, it had taken its toll on his body. And he got sepsis caused by diverticulitis, which is um, in your in your intestines. There's like small I don't know how to describe it like paper cuts inside of like mm. you get these like small S fissures or yeah. well they're not fissures because it's not protruding, but inside it's like small cuts in your intestines. And what happens is if you have diverticulitis and you don't know it and you eat certain things like um, very uh, like nuts or like really high fiber things as you're as you're like digesting, um, it can kind of settle in your intestines and turn into an infection, right. which then turned into sepsis. And that's how he died. But he he's uh, still said, you know, he had a dependence on alcohol and cocaine and, you know, developed problems with some of his organs. And he had heart problems, liver problems. Um, he never had a stroke um, and he never had a heart attack. But the um, I think he probably didn't realize that he had diverticulitis and was kind of like writing it off as, you know, like a stomach ache. And this is what happens a lot of times with yeah. diverticulitis. Um, well, you're... Nephew. Yeah, Sherry. But well, he had nephew, like, he had gallbladder. Right, but that he didn't. You know, he kept saying it was like hurting and throwing up, and everybody kept blowing it off as nothing. And mm -hmm. then, you know, that's something you could die from. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, I always thought that because of his depression, I thought it was always suicide, but I never knew the actual cause. So that's kind of interesting on, that you found that. Uh, that explains a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? It's unfortunate. He was a really gifted singer, and that's just too bad. And he was a fit dude. He was like really well built, and at least for when I saw him, you know, he was in good shape. But you it's know, just really sad. Like you know, yeah, it just shows you, drugs are bad, man. Like no matter how you try to play it off as you know recreational use or whatever, eventually it can catch up to you if you abuse it. So don't do drugs. This is don't do drugs message. Yeah, it's it's just sad. He had, you know, he he had the depression issues, and I'm sure turned to substance abuse to kind of like help with that. And again, sad. But uh, I remember it's kind of funny because in the early age, let's see, we're talking '95 here, '96 when this album came out. So I just remember like old internet. So like by the time '98 came around, like. They used to have these. What was the uh, the Ville video like? Quick, quick video or something? It was like um, the very early stages of video that you would watch. It wasn't huh. YouTube or anything, but no. it was like these little players. 
And uh, I found one of Love You to Death, which you know was a great video, uh, very cool. The lyric, this is one of my favorite songs of all time from the band. Um, but I just remember it was just a very great video, but I remember seeing it online for the first time. I never saw it on MTV or anything. It did eventually show up in 2000 when they rebooted Headbangers Ball and stuff, but uh, that was my earliest version of the band seeing that, like, outside of, like, you know, Black Number One and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I love Black Nuts, one of my yeah. favorite songs. Um, I don't know. I'm like, QuickTime? Yes. Okay. That's it. Yeah. So QuickTime was like the earliest version of like videos that you can QuickTime watch. QuickTime yeah. and real media. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those were the old days. Even if you wanted some porn, that was the way you were going. And baby. it's like, and it was smaller. It was like, oh, yeah. you could only get like a four by four if you're lucky sized um, <laughs> screen. And it wasn't, the internet was a lot different. And I, I try to explain this to younger people. Where, you know, yes, I was probably in high school when the internet started taking prevalence and it was in the home. But in order for us to use the internet, we had to get this really, really long ass phone cord and take it all the way down the steps into the living room to, pl to plug it in because it had to go through a phone line. Dial up. Yeah. And... It was, it was probably AOL. It was AOL at first, then we went to Prodigy, and I think in 99 was when we went to cable internet, where it was always connected. It was like blowing our minds how fast it was, and it was just... Yeah, I think I remember when... You, you came to my house, and that was in 2002, and you're like, oh my god, I'm getting this. You know, I just remember we, Chris and I, were doing... Um, it was what was it net zero mm -hmm. that was like the next step up and we're like yeah and, and that's still like dial up so you kind of like by the time dsl came around and like cable it was like world changing and now we're like up to you know we're we have fiber yeah so we're like on the verizon which you know you deal with it on a bigger scale mm -hmm. right now but yeah, so the world is a lot different. Technology keeps getting better and better, but just and just like the way you would have to search for things before Google, it it wasn't just like what I just did now and be like, what was before YouTube, and all these things popped up because Google has such a a learning algorithm that it has now um, twenty some years of of learning and understanding what people are searching for, that it kind of built in its algorithm. When you were doing searches before, let's say you were looking up typo negative October rust, you would have to put in quotations type O negative and then you'd have to put the plus sign and then in quotations October rust because otherwise it would just pull random shit that had any of those words in it to, and there, it wasn't Google, it was just uh, Yahoo. Mm. Um, ask.com like it was all kinds of very random things that still are around but even those you know yahoo ask etc they're all using the algorithm like google is so they're able to handle it and everything was more like you know there was no social media it was if you were looking for something specific to talk about this is kind of how metal tavern radio started it was message board, and we still have uh, a message forum, board, yeah. a forum, and everything was message boards, and 
this is before Reddit even started. Reddit is like a combination of a million message boards in one location. You had to really know what you were looking for or the internet was useless. I mean, there were games and stuff here and there. Um, AOL was very popular because it had a lot of things built into it where you could literally like you go on there and if your friends had AOL would pop up your buddies were online and there were like social games where you could go into a game room and play bingo or play poker or whatever and it would be p other people like they're chatting too it's it's a lot different now because way different even when uh Napster first came out, like you could see, like what was dial-up and what was DSL as you were downloading. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, you think about like even if you download an album right now that's a zip file, takes maybe I don't know, like with our, our system, it would take like you know about a minute. But back in the day, trying to download one song would take you like an hour. Like it was just that brutal. I remember it. Oh. Oh my goodness. But, you know, I, I was one of those Napster dudes. I'd be up there, like, checking out music and whatever people had. If it looked interesting, I would sit there and I'd have my cue and everything. And, yeah, I mean, it was a crazy time back then. The early Wild Wild West days of the <laughs> internet. Yeah. And then we have now, like, think about now what the capabilities are. I mean, the internet at first wasn't even really for consumers it was a business and government type thing because it's been around the capability to connect um, businesses to other business servers for a really long time email was kind of only um, available before intercompany you know it would be like and I'm talking like even in the 80s if you've ever seen the movie Working Girl it gives you a really good example of how it worked where it's that old like green and black screen but they're doing like sending an email but you had to know like there was no mouse you had to know your function keys on how you're going to uh to send the email and etc but it's amazing now how casual email or excuse me email but, but like just the internet in general is and that's a beautiful thing for us because you can share things and and learn about new and old bands, just like what we, what well, I just. Well, I mean, it's it's helped streaming uh, hugely mm -hmm. because you you would not if you tried to stream something back in the day on dial-up or DSL, it would be it buffering. Would, and it would be buffering, and you'd have to wait hours because you'd have to download it first. Yeah, it was so frustrating. Well, let's dive into this. This will be fun. Yeah. So the first track, of course, that the first real track is "Love You to Death," uh, my favorite tune from them. Mm -hmm. Uh, great lyrics, especially at the end, uh, Am I Good Enough For You, uh, just I love this song so much and uh, like I said the video is very cool, well done, uh, definitely has the gothic and vampiric tones there, um, even though he doesn't really sound like a vampire in this particular one, but Peter's always had this kind of voice that comes across as a vampire in some ways, so uh, here we go with Love You To Death and then we'll talk a little bit about it. In her 
special about his voice. I mean, it really is amazing. And I know you yourself for years have struggled with uh, mental health and depression. So probably feeling, you can kind of feel his, you can be empathetic to him, but you can really feel like because you've dealt with it yourself, you can feel like when he is having, you know, like a low point. A low point. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's sort of like you know, sometimes when I'm with you, like you know, at least in the past, like I say to myself, "Am I good enough for you?" Like because of all the good stuff you are, you're the best thing in my life. So. You know, but throughout my struggles with depression, and you know, I mean, I, I don't want people to think I'm still going through. Doesn't I mean I always face it, but you I'm have not. Better, I'm not um, coping mechanisms. Yeah, now I'm not than near as bad as you know. She can tell you back in our early parts of the marriage and the relationship, it was a lot worse. There were times I was really worried about losing him. Um, you know, we did everything that you're supposed to do, you know, that, that they conventionally tell you to, you know, seek help, um, seek medication. Um, but I, I ultimately think sometimes, you know, the depression will always kind of hang out in the back. It's like your dark passenger, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, just not a killer, but, it's, but, but it's just because surrounding circumstances are um are better you know we we had a lot of other things going wrong in our life you know financially and you know job wise and stuff and that can really pile onto when you're already prone to depression uh -huh. so i think like we've been you know you did get through a lot of therapy um you know you you were taking the medication when you when you were in therapy but you felt like it's really not necessary and it's you know it's not worth the side effects anymore um and you're doing much better and i think too like having you and i together um you know ha i i did a lot of work on myself too to like really understand um and i don't even know if peter was married or if he had someone he was close to that was like able I, able to kind of like because I do think that helped you. We've we've been together now for twenty one years. It'll be what um, eighteen years we were married this year, I think. God. Um, yeah, you know I think Peter had like relationships, obviously, but some of the stuff that I recall, like he just had bad relationships, so like everyone does, but like. For him, it could have been a lot harder because he was, as time went on with the band, he became a bigger star mm -hmm. and women would flock to him. And just he, being a being a musician is a tough job anyway, you know, trying to get yourself out there and... Right, but, you know, he, women thought he was great looking and everything, so he probably had a few girlfriends and if it didn't work out, they were using him for the wrong reasons. So it, for a guy that deals with depression, that's twice as hard because you don't know if the women that are approaching you are sincere or not about how they want to be with you or if it's just for the fame and everything else so yeah and some of the music he writes some of that comes out in it so 
and you hear it a lot, like this song or even the next one we're going to play, uh, there's this approach to relationships and how he wants, he, like I always kind of felt like Peter was uh, a romanticist and so mm -hmm. uh, if the person that he was involved with wasn't or was there for the wrong reasons, like it would hurt him harder. And that probably led to probably a lot of his depression and some of the drug use. Like, you know, when you're dealing with stuff like that already. So it, it's very tough. Like, I can't really speak on Peter's behalf because I didn't really know him personally. But, mm -hmm. but you can just, but you can through just the imagine. Music, yeah. Yeah. So the because music, you've, you've dealt with the... You've told me some really, really low points. Like, and even some of it was while we were married. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes... The only thing that you told me was like really keeping you going was like you didn't want me to be sad right right yeah and so you know it's just it's one of those things but the the, the, the other thing about all this is that and maybe peter never really realized it in the band itself is that the music they wrote helped a lot of people also because they were able like that's the one constant with metal music and and rock is that for myself, that was, you know, for so all the talk about people killing themselves because of Judas Priest or Ozzy or whatever, that's not really the case. Like, I, I think that when They've people, proven it. They've proven that that the metal actually is better for your mental health. Right. And, you know, sure, if you listen to a sad song, you're going to think of the, the worst times. But that's... Sometimes that's... Um, uh, cathartic, you know, mm -hmm. like it helps you kind of cry or, or get through it and, and get the emotions out. And that's and sometimes it's just anger. Like metal music is great for angry. If you're angry about something, and rather than going out and hurting yourself or someone else, you know, you're gonna do it like I want to go in a pit. You know, I want to push people around. Mm, wanna... A lot of people listen to metal while they're like lifting weights. It's right, you know. And so it, it, it is. It's very cathartic for a lot of people, and and. For me, it was like all the shit that I grew up with in my family, and you know, my own depressions with different things and stuff like that. Uh, but even for me, as I got older, it, it turned out I needed something more, which was you. And well, that's really sweet, <laughs> but it's true. Um, because music can only do so much for you. Like, as a teen, it's great, you know, because you're at home and you know as a team but it doesn't always say everybody you know some people like I, I figure people who's ever any teen that's ever hurt themselves and ended their life and let's say they were listening to Judas Priest or Ozzy or whatever it's not the music's fault it's just that they were at such a low point that nothing could help them they couldn't get over that hurdle mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes like for me I, I wasn't a very big drug user as a teen like I I I'm one of those people that definitely did it recreationally. Just kind of dabbled in parties. I, I, yeah, I never got hooked on anything. Uh, never addicted. Unfortunately, um, I have a family member that did, and it kind of ruined her life in a lot of ways, which unfortunately um, I feel bad about because I sort of introduced her to some things because uh, I thought, you know, if I could handle it, she could handle it. Now, she went on to do harder things. That and she went on to continue it. And right. she went on to, you know, doing lots of worse things. But some of this stuff I didn't even know either until much later in life. So, uh, 
you know, I don't need to have that guilt because I just didn't know. Ultimately, but, she is responsible, but, you know? But some people don't ever get over some of that stuff. So if you're abusing an alcohol or drugs, and then even if you're a metalhead or whatever, and the music's just not... If you're taking it to the point of like, oh my god, well, lyrics saying I should do this, and even though that's not really the context, like, they're going to look at it that way. But they, I, I've never, I never, any person that's ever killed himself, I don't think they would ever come out and say that the music did it. There was that one story we followed where Priest was on trial and the guy who shot himself but survived was trying to cash in on that shit. Uh, that to me was like a false flag. Like that dude literally was trying to cash in on something because if he truly believed that the music did it, he's a moron. Mm hmm. He had other issues that were leading up to that, and just because he survived, you know, the media, his parents probably all tried to use the music as the catalyst for his reasoning for committing, trying to commit suicide, and I don't believe in that at all. Um, and, and as you said, we've seen numerous articles now within the last 10 years that have shown that metal music is actually uh, great for mental health. and helps a lot of people like that that is if it's if it's a music that you like like if it's a music if like if it was a country fan listen to metal music they would just be like oh i don't like this well i mean yeah, yeah. and i mean if you're not gonna obviously you're not gonna listen to like mortician for any kind mm. of like you know uh enlightenment enlightenment about anything but the thing about typo negative is that a lot of it is just coming from the heart um i think you're right it's almost like poetic Yes, yes, very much so. Alright, so we're going to dive into the second track here, which is Be My Druidus. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it's from the lyrics I was kind of reading up on, it still comes across as a bit of, uh, almost a little bit of witchcraft. Like, that's the one thing about Peter was, he could be dealing with relations, but he would always kind of like make it a fantasy in some way. So... Uh, it wasn't just so dark that it was just like, oh my god, woe well, is me. But, you know, it was one of those things where it was talking about a relationship, but it was doing it from like a fantasy uh, point of view. So here we are, track number two, Be My Druidess.
back. <laughs> it's kind of funny. One thing, um, one theme in this album is abrupt endings. Yeah. Yeah, like that, and they did that on purpose. I don't know if they were. I don't know what the meaning behind it was, or if they were just doing it to be funny. Like, because it is kind of funny. You and I were in the middle of talking. And then, oh crap, the, the song, we didn't even realize this was like the end of the song because it doesn't like fade out or anything. It just goes up. Sometimes it does. Uh, they did it more on Bloody Kisses than they did on this one, but uh, towards the end of the record, they started doing a little bit more of the bleeding into mm -hmm. the other one. But uh, yeah, so uh, definitely another great tune. Um, there is sort of that sarcasm. Like, again, I can't really speak how. Peter's mindset was writing the lyrics, but like the whole like, I'll do anything to make you come. Like maybe he would. Like I don't know if that's approaching it sexually or if it. Means or maybe he's saying I'll do anything to make you come, come. over my house. Right or, or whatever. Or like it's, come to me. Right. But there's that, and again, like I think that a lot of uh, typos music is, and especially lyrically, can be open-ended. Sometimes you can interpret it any way you want. Um, but Peter wasn't shy about sexuality or anything like that, so... And I think he did that a lot on, um, on purpose, because a lot of his life he said he was a, um, an atheist. Mm hmm And towards, like, the end of his life, like, there was a switch, I think probably after he got clean, because that happens a lot, and he became, um... Christian, and he said, you know, it's a lot different when you're younger and you start thinking about, um, you know, the end of life and mortality, and it's easier when you're 20 to say you're an atheist because, you know, you're young, but when you get older, you maybe don't want, like, life so much, you don't want it to be nothing afterwards, and he's like, and honestly, like, the one thing he was he said this he said the one thing like for me that was hard is knowing that being an atheist that means you go nobody gets any kind of justice or so like people like hitler who really deserve punishment i Hell, can't yeah. yeah he's like it's hard as as he was becoming christian he was saying like you know i can't in my head fathom that he's just getting nothing you know, and not and not like a good person being rewarded for having a good life, and so I don't like thinking that in the end everybody gets the same thing. And and that's a that's a really legitimate way to think about it, and and probably helped him with his recovery and helped him with his depression too. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting perspective of his as he like got well, older. Yeah, and it's not so abnormal. I mean, the same thing happened with Chuck Schildner or death. I mean, mm -hmm. He became a Christian later in life, but I myself... I'm the opposite. We, well, yeah, you know, we... I, I'm not going to say I'm a straight-up atheist, but like, again... You're more I, agnostic. Yeah, I don't know what's out there, but like, yeah, I often say to people who when I watched YouTube video of some ultra-Christian conservatives and stuff who try to peddle their stuff, I'm like, I'm fine with your faith, I don't care, but... And I'm happy when people are, like, yeah, whatever true makes to their faith. You, whatever like, makes you comfortable and makes you feel within yourself fine. And a sense of community, and you see there's a lot of great people, and they have this, this sense of, like, religion, and... But... 
But I'm just like, one of those people is like, look, I can go my life and try to live the best life I can and be the the best person I can, but if that's not enough to get me to the supposed gates of heaven, then do I really want to be there? Like, is that the kind of God you want to be with? Like, it's, it's like, if I'm not good enough doing what I've done in my life, even if I have my own faults like every human does... You know, I'm not Adolf Hitler, so, like, I'm mm-hmm. not doing those kind of crimes and those kind of things. So, if I used to get taught all the time, and because I grew up in a Christian home and Christian schools and stuff, and there's always these lectures about you have to live as a Christian a certain way, and I'm like, well, why? Like, why can I not listen to heavy metal music, even if I'm not believing in one particular faith versus another? People often say to me, how do you listen to Striper? I'm like, well, it's the same reason why I listen to Demi Borgir or, you know, some black metal band. It's that, entertainment. Right, and if even if their ideology is, is different than mine, I can at least respect that that's their art and their way of conveying it. So, uh, for me, it's like, when it comes to religion in general, it's like, you can have whatever you want. I just don't know. There's no answers. There's no definitive anything. So I can't tell you that there's no God, but I can't tell you there actually is a God either. And that's the kind of thing that people often bicker about is like between... Because like science is a thing. We've seen it. We, we know that things that we've dug up from mm-hmm. the past are there. Now, p- Christian people have tried to put that in perspective between, you know, the Bible and everything else. There are fundamentalist Christians who do not believe in a lot of scientific evidence. They truly believe that the world is only, you know, so many thousands of years old when there's evidence to the contrary. Right. And, and, you know, you can go with that argument all day, but I'd rather just be down the line. I'd be like, look, if and when I'm gone, whatever happens, happens. You know, one thing that Nick and I often believe is, like, we're kind of like just, once we're done, we're just dust. Like, we're just, you know, we rot, we go away, and whether or not we... All we are is dust in the wind, per Kansas. (laughs) You know, whether or not we have our souls go anywhere, because, you know, if that's the case, then why do we oftentimes have paranormal activity? Like, there's so many unanswered things that we have about life. And, you know, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for having faith that that gives them some sort of comfort. Like, I, even my parents, who are still religious, I don't begrudge them for being Christians. It doesn't bother me. Um, as long as you're not trying to judge me or tell me I'm going to hell, because I just don't know. Like, I'm not going to give you any straight answer, because I don't think anybody knows. I think we just hope for one thing versus another. So if there is a heaven, uh, you know, for Nick and I, it may very much be, if you've ever seen the movie This Is The End, it might be just like that. You go up there and it's whatever heaven you want to make it, you know, who knows. But, you know, I just, I don't know how he got off in his I don't know, because we were talking about his, um, his, he's a Christian and... Right, yeah, Yeah, so, yeah, so, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those things that's always out there, but, you know, we're not very judgmental on that, as long as you're not judgmental on us. We have friends that are religious uh, one way or another, and it doesn't bother us. Uh, I have friends online who are satanic, or, you know, they don't like Christianity at all, and that's fine, too. I just... As long as I'm not getting any preaching one way or the other, like, you just do you. Whatever makes you happy and gives you comfort in life, that's fine. Uh, I don't have any answers. I can't pretend to have answers. All I can do is I've 
I don't hate any, I didn't hate growing up in Christian schools. I think it's a interesting thing to experience. But it, it, for me back then, it was a little bit more repressive. I don't know how my school is now that, you know, years later, is it, has it changed because technology's changed? I, I don't know. I don't know how different it is now. I'd like to kind of go back and say, hey, let's go check it out, Missy, and let's go see, like, what the school's like now. Maybe they've loosened up their grip and the satanic panic shit's not there anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Uh... I mean, I don't expect them to allow people to put up posters in the rooms like, you know, I do here, but, uh, you know, maybe they're allowing people certain things. I don't know. I don't really know how it works now. It's a lot different. I also think, too, um, because you grew up in the 80s and 70s when it was the satanic panic, um, and Peter Steele, you know, he was about your age. It could have been, you know, that might be why it took a while for him to like look at religion as a possibility for you know helping with his addiction and helping with you know um depression but i also think too for for you as you were growing up um the reason you, you do kind of have like this it's like a, a second adolescence almost like mm -hmm. you were never able to because everybody looked at what you everything that you did was like satanic or bad or evil so like you were never really allowed to express yourself or listen to music or and now it's like well i'm an adult i'm gonna put up every poster i want and i'm gonna listen to whatever i want and i'm gonna buy all the music i want because you know the funniest thing that ever happened to me and i told nick a while back that this was I remember sitting in a dental office, probably at age 17 or 18, and, you know, it was right around the time when I was really more into the hard glam rock of the 80s and had a Poison's Look with the Cat Direct, and so for anyone who's familiar with that record, on the cover, the band who dressed up in glam and makeup and stuff looked very much like women, like you would, you know... But were. they were pretending. They were. They were not trying. This was not no, drag. No, 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 no. Yeah, they it were was, glam. It was part of the scene. Um, I can't explain glam rock in any way except for that's just how they dress, and women were attracted to it regardless. So I was looking at the cover. I was looking at the tape. I had it on cassette. My dad was sitting next to me, and you know, Grant, he's a conservative, so he was like, "What is that?" And I'm like, "Well, this is." Well, I think what I did was I, I, I handed it to him and said, what do you think of this cover here and these, these girls? <laughs> and he's like, oh, they're cute. And I'm like, well, they're all guys. <laughs> and he got mad at me. Like, you know, he didn't do anything with the cassette, but he's like, you know, he just scoffed and everything else. So fast forward, you know, about a decade later, by the time, this time I was into much heavier music. And I used to get all these Metal Maniac magazines and Pit and when I was living with them, I was, you know, on the lower floor, and I had my own bathroom, and I would have magazines in there for when I was doing my business. Not jacking off. Right. So, uh, I think at one point I had, like, a Metal Maniacs with Danny Phil from Cradle of Filth on the cover, right? So he's got blood on his face, and, and I, I remember my dad just kind of like, what is the story with this stuff? Like, what... Do you really like, you know, when I was sitting there thinking, I was like, well, man, this is the same guy that 
didn't like the shit that I was listening to before, which was very tame compared to what was what I was listening to at later in life. So uh, it just kind of cracked me up. Like this is the guy that just I don't know if he thought at that moment like man, I prefer the other <laughs> stuff he was listening to or not. Uh, but it was a funny story. But anyway. Anyway, what's our next song? Our next track is Green Man, and apparently. At one point, uh, Peter worked as a garbage man, and he used to dress in these green overalls. So he kind no, of, shut up, really? Yeah, so he kind of got the nickname Green Man, but the song itself uh, is Peter's love for nature and the Four Seasons, as well as a rebirth, renaissance, and spirits of the forest. So uh, it's very much just about, uh, and it kind of falls up on the Druidist stuff. You know, there's a theme here a little bit. Uh, with uh, nature and stuff like that so uh the song itself sort of, sort of give uh listeners like a warm vibe of feeling so so this is his like his feelings towards nature is what he's saying yeah like, yeah this will be interesting yeah uh not a track that i listen to that often um there's always select tracks that i take from typo negatives that i listen to more than others but uh this is certainly a good song uh so here we go with typo negatives green man all right. Thank you. 
Fair. All right. Yes. So Great there, time. there it goes again with that abrupt ending. <laughs> well, it faded out a little bit. Yes. But uh, yeah, I definitely heard like all the birds chirping mm -hmm. and like, the little sound effects they have in there. Definitely has a vibe that was uh, of nature. So definitely uh, understand like the description of that. So as we go into track four, um, this is a very interesting song. I like I'm I'm kind of reading up on song by song because even though I've loved the band for so long, I never really did a deep dive on. That's it. what this is for. Right. So our track four here was Red Water Christmas Morning, which morning being like morning the dead or something. Um, I always knew it was some sort of like sorrowful type of song, but. Uh, I didn't realize how, you know, when we talked about how Peter deals with depression and some of the s stuff that he dealt with over his life, judging by the song alone, it's kind of uh, understandable why he was kind of struggling with uh, different stuff. So the song Red Water Christmas Morning is basically a song about Peter's father dying on Christmas morning as well as three other of his family members since the previous Christmas. Uh, the verse deals with the grief while chorus deals with how to cope with pain from the personal standpoint. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, again, you know, it, it's funny that when they talked about, you know, a different article talked about how there's controversy with the band because of their, like, why they should have been bigger than they were because of this, the, apparently the lyrics would hold people back from making them mainstream. Oh. But at the same time, I think that and this is really kind of the responsibility on people who make articles like that. You have to take the time to do stuff like this. You have to take the time to research of why. Just don't go surface level. Because just like the carnivore stuff. Um, if they're singing about, you know, uh, racial, like, wars and stuff like that, there's probably a good reason behind it with context. You can't just say, oh, what are racist. This happened to Slayer, man. They did with Angel of Death. They constantly try to say that they're being Nazis for all this shit. Educate yourselves, please. Just educate yourselves. Uh, when people sing about certain things like that, it's not always about promoting uh, white supremacy or anything like that. There are bands out there that will try to do that. Uh, but there are certain bands that don't, and Slayer is not one of them, and of course, Typo Negative is not one of them. Uh, so, whatever dark lyrical content that Peter and company made uh, throughout their history and career with this band is, again, we talked about it, a lot of it's personal, and uh, it's not happy. It's not meant. It's not meant to make you shake your booty or twerk. It, it's it's meant to take it. Uh, as I said, cathartic, mainly for him. Um, yeah, so, maybe he's just getting it off his chest. Right, and a lot of singers will do that. A lot of artists who write music, this is this is how they get some of those feelings. I, even if you take Taylor Swift, she does the same thing, just from a different point. But, you know, all her, you know, she gets a lot of flag for the exposing bad relationships, but that's how she wants to get that shit out. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. so for Peter, this is his way of doing that, and it was the entire time was with the band. And it's not like every single song was like depressed or anything. Um, you know, songs like "I Don't Want to Be Me" was more just like being something you're not. You know, so but that was a different record. But either way, it's like 
a lot of people who make judgments on this band don't really understand where Peter and the company were coming from. So, uh, again, this is something that's very deep and personal with Peter. Stuff that I wasn't really aware of. So now that we've been talking about it with you listening, uh, maybe some of you knew about this stuff already because you might be really big Typo fans or whatever. I, I mean, I'm a big fan, but again, never really sat down and dived into a lot of the lyrical content. I just really loved the music, uh, and they were just always one of my favorite bands from the get-go. So uh, here we go with Redwater Christmas Morning.
Abrupt ending. Another abrupt ending. <laughs> uh, I should have noted uh, earlier uh, when we started the band itself is, of course, Peter Steele on vocals, bass, mm -hmm. Kenny Hickey on guitar, Josh Silver on keyboards and organ and synths, and Johnny Kelly on live drums. Now, of course, over the course of the career of the band, some members have come and gone a little bit. Uh, I know um, one of them who had a played with Typo later in the career, went to form uh, uh, a pale horse named Death. Um, which oh, is, yeah, and that kind of has the Typo feel. Yeah, and there's another band, too, where another member or two were part of it, and uh, their sound is very reminiscent of the Typo vibe a little bit. But, um, yeah, so interesting about that song is I definitely hear, like... Um, like those handheld chime bells uh -huh. like I used to play <laughs> in the Christian school like ding 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 mm -hmm. yeah so uh, definitely a, a somber vibe song but uh, again great great uh, vocals uh, delivery from Peter on that and the writing and execution of the arrangement of the songs are amazing so now it leads us to the next track which I know they did a uh, video for, which apparently they had a video for Druidus too, but I don't think that was the actual uh, single. Maybe it was later they released that one, I don't know. But the mm -hmm. uh, first one, of course, Love You to Death. And then this one, My Girlfriend's Girlfriend, uh, is a little bit of a funnier one in some ways. Um, basically, it, even the video itself is kind of done like in the 60s style psychedelic rock and has an organ playing in it, but the song is written basically about having a girlfriend who has a girlfriend of her own, and there seems to be like, as you listen to the lyrics, you know, a sense of jealousy in some ways. 
or at least the fact that maybe he wants to join in with the girlfriend it's just it's kind of funny but uh the video was always kind of funny to me in some ways so here we go with a girlfriend's girlfriend do you remember this song i don't think i know this song it's not familiar it's a little bit more upbeat than some of the other stuff on the record um but uh yeah so here we go with that
<laughs> also one of their shorter songs. So thoughts? I liked it. You're right, it is upbeat. Yeah, a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more fun. Uh, again, you know, typos always kind of had this, like, subtle humor. Mm -hmm. Even when you think back to stuff like Christian Woman and stuff like that, you know, just different songs where they kind of subtly throw in a little bit of humorous, satirical-type approaches to their music. I also, like, one thing, and you, I, I don't know if we said this on air or if we were talking <coughs> um, off mic um, while a song was playing... It's just something so, like, instantly recognizable about Typo Negative's, like, guitar. Mm -hmm. It's the, the tuning. Yeah, the whole tuning. You know it's a Typo, like, song because of how it sounds. And I'm like, this, even in that different, more upbeat, it sounded like Typo Negative, right? Yeah, and, you know, I, I, it's kind of funny because I remember... You're not the only one that's ever done this, but there was a band that recently had split up that uh, was called October Noir, and they were very heavily influenced by Typo Negative, so their style, like, they had original music, but it was done in Typo Negative type of way, so when I first heard them for the album 13, I was like, wow, this, this would be mistaken as Typo Negative. It sort of reminds me of Attic, how... If you listen to them, they would sound a lot like King Diamond. Uh, those are pros and cons to that because, well, again, while both bands do their own original work, mm -hmm. they're utilizing and rating everything vocally and musically to sound like the one that they're being influenced by. So when I played Neko October Noir, she's like, "Is this isn't typo?" I was like, "No, they're a band that's heavily influenced by them." And she's like, "Well." Why not just listen to Typo? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do it, do it from the original OGs. And I get that point of view, but I could appreciate because, you know, obviously Peter's gone. Uh, I could appreciate that October Noel was trying to kind of carry a torch in a way. And the music they have is actually very good. But it does kind of sit back in your mind like, you know, it's good, but it's not them. It's not Typo. It's like, you know, it's not Typo. And so it's kind of like just it's always sitting in the back of your mind like this band as good as they are and how much they love typo negative like you're just it's not you're not you're just trying to copycat basically mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate because they are very good but you're not being original at this point and so i don't know how much flack they ever took for that <clears throat> i know probably some people threw shade at them but they had a lot of followers that were supportive too so it's just one of those things but it is tough when the original ogs are the guys that you know you should be listening to when it comes to that kind of music i kind of made that comment before um about so i was with some co-workers and i'm i'm older than a lot of my co-workers and this last job well i'm kind of like right in the middle which is i am middle-aged anyway but this last job i was with a lot of younger guys and um the one guy i was who was my partner he's about 13 years younger than me and um but he really likes like 90s alternative rock which i, I was really appreciative of because he just kept playing like the spotify 90s alternative rock station um right but then he was playing lincoln park 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, fine, I don't care, because some Lincoln Park stuff is is okay. But then um, I was talking to another guy who was on, and we were talking about like corn and limp biscuit, and he's like, who are they? And I'm like, you've never heard of corn or limp biscuit, but you've heard of Lincoln Park, yeah, which is possible? like like crap compared to corn and limp biscuit like their corn and limp biscuit were like leading the charge of the whole like new metal Damn, like deaf tones all down that was i just couldn't believe he had never heard of corn so then me and zach were like playing corn for him and he's like um you know the the one song y'all want a single no i know that's a little bit poppier and and newer than like the stuff from the 90s when it's like really like deep and stuff right but he's like I, that was the first thing i thought of to play for him because he does I, he likes rap rock and i'm like this will be perfect and he's like it's a really good song i can't get this song out of my head i was like exactly <laughs> and then i was like playing um, then he taught me i did have like 12 15 albums yeah i was so. like well here's freaking unleash yeah that entire album was like i said i said i can't believe you listen to so much 90s stuff without like you've gone that long without hearing i said that that album was insane um it went like double platinum and he's like i he's also I, he's the one who's from india so he was like a little bit older when he, he was like eight when he moved here from right. india so like he was still kind of young in the 90s when it was all coming out but he still has like this huge appreciation for the 90s like what song from limp biscuit did you play um counterfeit well, that was my first one and then i did break stuff and um of course and he was like this is really good like i just <laughs> so to the point of what you're saying like when you when you have like these pioneers of a certain sound it does kind of like detract when you're like wow you know if you like this band you really need what was october noir and um yeah and especially when you mention corn because there's a band called flyleaf that they're not bad. They're, they're a Russian band, but they do it very much mm -hmm. corn-like. They're good, but it's not corn. So it's just one of those things. Like that's always going to be your one thing that hurt Kingdom Come for so many years was when they came out with Get It On. They because that song is so much like somewhat of like Cashmere Zeppelin that the way they sing with uh, Joe Turner. And just the pre presentation, which it's a great fucking track, but they got they took so much heat because of their Led Zeppelin influences that they were never able to break into the mold for themselves. Now, over the course of the last twenty something years, when I had a chance to go listen to a lot of their later albums, because I thought they just disappeared off the map, they have a lot of great music. Um, and I can I personally, even though I still hear the Zeppelin influence, I. The songs don't come across as anything Zeppelin would do. Like, it's just, you can hear it the way they sing, you know, and, and like, the influence is there. There's a difference between the having influence. The influence. Is, the influence is there, but they've got their own Right, it's take. not It's not a copycat. It's not, like, sound by sound and stuff like that. So, that's the difference. Like, if you can just take an influence, but then do something that's original to yourself, <clears throat> that's something that people can kind of gravitate towards, and... It's not that any. It's not that October Noir or Flyleaf don't have their own set of fans. It's just that they're never going to overcome the copycat problem that that people. People will, are going to be like, "Oh, you sound like 
so-and-so. And it's always going to come back to, well, I don't, why listen to you when I can just go to the OG? Like, it doesn't really, you know, you're not bringing anything new to the table. You're just regurgitating in a different way something that they would do. So, yeah. But what's up next? All right. So, my second favorite tune from the record. Oh, yeah? Yep. It's okay. a song called Die With Me. So, so uh, enthusiastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's it, it a second song of two that kind of features a little bit of an acoustic guitar. In. But uh, the song speaks about missing his partner after separating by a long distance and expressing desire to die with her. Oh, we, we, we've been separated by a long distance. Oh, we don't need to die. We don't need to die. <laughs> we don't need to die. We're not dying right now. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, certainly uh, there's a part probably around the five or six minute mark um, in this song where it just gets, there's like this cool moment with the sound that I just really love. And uh, yeah, so we're going to check it out now. This is called Die With Me.
Echo just informed me she really liked that track, so that's good news. Good news! <laughs> Thoughts? Um, it's just so emotional sounding. Yes. Like, I was just kind of took a second to like just absorb it. I know that sounds silly, but like just no, because I think typos the kind of band that you have to do that. It's like they're you know it's funny because. 
we joke about so much with bands that have long songs and stuff, but I mean, theirs usually average around five to eight minutes. But it is something that you absorb, and it, it's it, it's different than your usual doom stuff because it does have that gothic overtones in them. So it, it isn't like coming across as very doomy, doomy, but. It's just something about that song, especially at the end. Like and our next track is equally as good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Again, we're, we're the theme, of course, obviously, is always this darker vibe. But our next track, Burnt Flowers Fallen. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to let's see what we got here. Um, now, they... There's like this wiki page that apparently tries to label this song as an alternative rock song. I, I don't see that at all how with this band in general. Uh, you probably could have taken a song like I Don't Want to Be Me, which again is off another album later in their career, but that one I could see maybe having that approach a little bit because they were trying to probably, it was probably like a, a single they put out that they were trying to get a little bit of hit off of, but hmm. this... Uh, is uh, certainly uh, oh, this is kind of an interesting thing about this song is it has only one verse and one chorus and lacking changes in vocal volume lyrics and instrumentation interesting yeah the lyrics on this song though were written about his deranged I think it's supposed to be deranged girlfriend burning all her flowers that he gave her what yeah uh, but I, interesting enough uh the intro to the song has a bit a little bit of a Pink Floyd vibe. Mm. So um, we're gonna check out. There is there's portions towards the end of this song where it, it, I can't really explain it because it's it's, a, it's musically done, but uh, it just like, it sort of like dips with the the, the bass and everything, and, and you'll hear it. It happens a couple times. Uh, there's two different arrangement parts of that that it happens but uh it, it's really another good tune um really enjoyed this song as well uh, again this is why it's why it's one of my favorite records of all time but uh here we go with uh burnt flowers falling okay
cruising along. I really do like that song too. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful track. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like in a mood now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like a oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just gonna go lay on the couch and <laughs> you know feel sad for a it's like everything sounds so <sighs> well that, that that's the thing like you can take like like even if you take an album like this and it's say you have a bad breakup or whatever that's like, what I'd be using it for but you know you don't want it to be <laughs> an instrument of where you want to hurt yourself, like, but you want to be cathartic. You That's want what I to, mean. I feel like right. I just want to lay down and do what what the new uh, kids are calling bed rotting, where you just lay in bed and and chill. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I like towards the end there. It's like the, the whole deep bass and mm -hmm. I really love that part of the song. Uh, so now we're working our way to our next track, In Praise of Bra uh, uh, Bracchus. I, I have not ever... Bacchus? Bacchus, excuse me. That's the um, god of wine. Oh, okay. So I, I never really listened much to this track itself. Um, apparently the song is about, uh, again, the girlfriend. You could, there's a common theme in here with oh, this so entire album. So this whole album is about his crazy girlfriend? Right. It wow. basically comes down to that. Which, you know, it's kind of funny because I, I don't think I've ever heard it being a concept album, but when you think about where it starts and how we're going along mm -hmm. here, it kind of... Yeah, let me love you to death, and now he's talking about drinking wine. So yeah, like, so it's going from, like, the depression of... I really love you. Uh, why am I not good enough for you? To the point of like you're a fucking cunt rag. <laughs> I just hate. <laughs> oh wow, this might be a journey of his. You're oh. right. But uh, yeah, so this is the also the song is supposedly also known as "She Hates Me," <laughs> uh, and it reflects on his girlfriend hating him so much that she wants to be burned. So now she's like very hateful to him or spiteful to him. So after she's done burning all of his flowers, right? So it's it's gone beyond the flowers. Wow. Now we want you to burn. Oh my goodness! So I'm you really caught on to that? Like you're like yeah? Like, I really think that this this could be a concept album. Yeah, you know, even if it's not meant to be, like, there is a common theme, uh, just from song to song. Now, granted, Christmas morning is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, maybe he was just reflecting. Well, yeah, that's constantly what he was doing. Now, it'd be interesting, because I love a lot of typo negative albums, even outside of this one, so maybe down the road we do, like, Bloody Kisses or, mm -hmm. you know, one of the later records, uh... Because it, they are they are so good, like they're just really really great. But here we go with the in praise of Bacchus from Typo Negatives October Rust. <laughs> Yeah. 
thoughts there with that one <laughs> and she says yeah this is a very romantic record even though it's not about romance it's yeah. about the pitfalls of romance it's, it was just like yeah during the uh we're listening as you guys are listening and i'm just like hugging him and giving him kisses and reassurance yeah i'm like i love you so much because i do i do love him we're like the word. See, it's so funny, Linked. though, about, like, how Peter conveys his feelings on this. Like, I, I get it, a lot of it, because, like, when you're in a sorrowful mood or you're sad about a relationship that doesn't work or whatever, I think for me, it, it, mine would be more angry. <laughs> mine would be, like, the really heavy stuff if I was a, a vocalist or a musician. Like, everything would be angry. Like, I it would think just be, though. fuck you, motherfucking cunt rag. <laughs> <laughs> I think like with you, um, you and I, we've both had some really um, 
disastrous and this kind of sounds like it was because it's like she hates me but he's just saying it so like nicely and i i yeah like i do appreciate like what you're saying though about how it's a downfall of a relationship but the music is so like calm and reassuring almost like it's a whole vibe that and that's the thing like from his point of view from everything that we're hearing it's more of a a painful experience because he wants it to work and you know he probably doesn't understand like why there's so much animosity and this and that and he hasn't gotten to the bitterness level yet like right where, where we are with our exes where we're like me you know you and i have been together since 2002 so that's a really long time we met in 2002 um we still have like so much animosity towards a few of our exes so that's over 21 years ago that we had problems with our exes and sometimes we will like reminisce a little and be like I'm really, really pissed off. Like, and still... I mean, I'm beyond that with a lot of my exes, because, like, I know I'm in a better place. You are in a better place. But, uh... I know I'm in a better place, too. At the time, certainly, like... It's like when you start to think about it, you, you start to drudge up all those old, angry feelings, and you're like, I know why things ended the way that they did, or I... But it's just like, fuck, man. <laughs> sucked yeah i mean when i met you you were in one of those relationships where it was deceiving deceitful and uh just not a good situation like in a lot of ways i was kind of glad to take you away from that part of it because i didn't know you when you were with the other guy prior to that so it was just the other person that i met you through and so like yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, she doesn't deserve this. Like, And the sad thing is that we were broken up, but he was still trying to be controlling of my life. And to the point where he was, like, out, like, before I met you, like, he was reaching out to peop- to guys that I was dating and calling them. Like, he went through my phone and got phone numbers of people that I was dating and I can't believe I was just young and naive and I didn't you know what I mean I wasn't as feisty as I am now and um took down their phone numbers so that he could call them and well I think in the end I mean I don't like to air too much of this stuff but in the end like I thought the way that it transpired because he was like you know you want me to introduce you to her because he was trying to make it sound like you were stalking him and latching on but it was really him trying to keep these attachments with you and to see that and control me right and he was and even after we went on our first date you know he was so shocked that like you were ready to move on like he was like almost like his own pain like you should still want me over him yeah he was like i thought you said you loved me right and i'm like um you're like you gave him my phone number right you were the one like pushing her off on me you're the one making it sound like you didn't want her to be a part of your life and he literally gave my this ex of mine gave my phone number to dj anubis and said you should call her you should ask her out and i did and he did (laughs) 
and we went out. We spent almost the entire weekend together. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, Friday night into way early Saturday morning, poor man had to move the next day. I, will, I was such a dickhead. I feel bad like now, but he was just happy to hang out with me and went to parties. Like we went to dinner and he's like, oh, him in his mind, he's like, I'll be home by like 10 and I can get up early and move and pack. And no, no, no. I kept him out till like four or five in the morning. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we went and had our own date but then i drug him all around i was like oh it's still oh so and so let's pick up so and so from this wedding and we're gonna go to their place because they're having a party and he's he's just like what okay and uh the fact that he still wanted to see me on sunday to have lunch just blew my mind and and i think down the road like a little bit after that you know I introduced her as my girlfriend and she seemed kind of shocked by that because like I think that's sort of like what you wanted from your previous engagement because that was before you realized that he was double dipping basically oh my god I hate my life sometimes uh, not now but then yeah so like I, I think because your reaction was a good reaction like that's something that looked put a smile on your face at that point so mm -hmm. yeah so anyway anyway next song is uh you know typo is not you know uh not afraid to do covers they never have been they did some on bloody kisses and of course later on uh but they chose to do a neil young cover here with cinnamon girl which i think was another single they did put out there um uh, the final one they had of this record and it, it's pretty good. It's a little bit heavier than the original. And um, mm -hmm. are you familiar with that track at all, Cinnamon Girl? Mm -hmm. Oh wow! I, I mean, I probably have heard it. I just don't. You like, probably recognize it. I can't make it. it. I can't make my head recognize it right now. But yeah, uh, here we go with uh, the cover of Cinnamon Girl.
was kind of badass. Yeah. I was like, it's kind of techno-y. A little bit. Getting down to our last two songs. Ooh. But oddly enough, uh, it's about 16 minutes between mm. the both of them. So, <laughs> two of our longer songs. Uh, the next track, now, this is where they kind of stray a little bit. We get back to a little bit more of uh, like Doomy. the fantasy uh. vibe that Typo has occasionally. And uh, the next track is Wolf Moon, which is another one of my favorite tracks, along with of the one. Of course, it also. is. Yes, it is. And of course, it's about transforming into a werewolf. Although, what they explain with the lyrics and the uh, meaning behind this particular song is interesting. Generally, Wolf Moon is the name of the full moon that occurs in January, the month where wolves howl the most during the breeding season. The song is about a man transforming into a werewolf then performing oral sex on a menstruating woman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hello. It gets deep. Deep. But, uh, yeah, this track, along with the one after that we'll get to, is, again, great closers. Um, but for anyone who's ever followed us, followed me, I'm a big werewolf guy. So whether musically, art, uh, movies, uh, you know, figurines whatever just like i have a big thing about werewolves so certainly this song was something that resonated with me just the, the title just like thematically it. in general right uh now there is a track before this called the glorious liberation of the people's uh technocratic repeal republic and uh it's just an instrumental, so I just put it in front of this one because there's nothing really to talk about with the instrumental itself, but uh, it's like a minute something, and we're going to go into Wolf Moon. So here we go, uh, basically with Wolf Moon, but with the little intro before that.
In the record. So I think this is like, you know, get we're getting ready to close out the next, uh, you know, we're closing out, we're rounding out the album, and I think because he was so angry about his breakup, he turned into a werewolf. Yeah. You think that might be it? Could be. You know, it's funny, um, and it's just a side thing. Uh, there was this book, if you ever, if you're someone that reads werewolf books or into werewolf lore, it's called The Last Werewolf. It's a really, really good book. And uh, I talked about how this guy has been around for a while as a world. He obviously fights against vampires that are hidden from the human society and ends up coming across a female werewolf. And uh, But he, one of the things he talks about when he first became one is his inability to kind of control the changes. And he had to kind of learn as he went how to do more of that. And, he was in love, he was married, and he ended up, um, he tried to, at night, go to a different village and 
transform there and do whatever havoc and kill livestock at that time that he could. But in his recollection, he uh, came back and recalled how he would show up at this house and he was describing what was happening then. He realized after the fact, after the next day, retract. That She's he, stuck. <laughs> that he had gone and, and killed his wife. Like, but it was the the way he described his house. He's in wolf form. He entered through the top of the house and through one of the bedrooms, and she was there. And he basically mauled her and raped her. But like, that was the kind of thing the way he described how the wolf would still have this raging like heart on. So there was like this sexual attraction while still being in beast mode. Uh, but yeah, it just, you know, it's a really good book. Um, What's it called? The Last Werewolf. We rented it from the library, I think, at one point. Oh, you rented it from the library? When we went and we were on our library kick for a while? Yeah. That was before <coughs> COVID. Yeah, it was a really good book. A really, really good book. And um, I really liked it a lot. We had uh, our own little book club, and then every, because I think you got, like, a two-week rental at our library, and then every time it was time to return the books, there was a Chili's near our library, so we'd have, like, we'd go return our book, and then, uh, we, we're so cute sometimes. <laughs> um, so into our last track here, um, the song is called Haunted. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way it's described is it's a mystical song about Peter's love affair with the spirit of his girlfriend. Oh, wow. The slowness of the instrumentation with piano creates a haunting atmosphere, hence the title, as the song itself was inhabited habited with the spirits from beyond. Um, apparently, the instrumental version of the song shows up on the video game Descent 2, which I've never played, but that's just for all you uh, video game buffs. But uh, again, it's, it's a great closer to the record. It's another uh, wonderful track, and uh, as usual with the entire record and the way that Typo portrays its music, it's very gothic-y, uh, atmospheric in a lot of ways with the, the doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so here is our final track of the evening. It's called Haunted.
And that's the end. And we're back. 
And we're back. And he's back. And he's back. So yeah, another great haunting track. No pun intended. Maybe pun intended. Pun intended. I think uh, it's funny how this entire time, like, we're listening to the songs and, like, off mic while the songs are playing, we're talking, like, super emotional and we've been bringing up all these, like, things about, like, mental health and that's what this album does. That's really what this album does is is it, it pulls that kind of feeling out of you yeah. where you're like you're feeling all the feels if that kind of sounds dorky but you know what I mean. No, it, it makes a lot of sense and you know that's why we're doing these deep dives because you know I've loved this album for a long time. Like I said I, I love a lot of the typo records um, this one being my favorite but that's kind of like why we do these things to see if they still hold up and I think it does like it probably means more now than it ever did back when they wrote the record because uh, mental health is something that's desperately need being addressed in, in current society I believe this month is men's mental health you know awareness month and I nothing nothing has been said about it ever at all because I don't I don't know if it's just ne not taken seriously and you know, for some reason, it's people don't realize the struggle that a lot of men have with mental health. And well, there's always the the constant topic about you know because men have a lot of pride; they they hold things in. I'm I'm guilty of stuff like that. And they're less likely to seek help on their own. Like, right. Um, and so, and yet you have some. I hate to say it, some feminists out there that say that, well, men shouldn't do that. And it's like, it's not that easy. You can't just flick a switch and have that happen, like, where you get everything out. Like, it's just, it depends on how you were raised. Depends uh, on your personality, too. How comfortable you are with talking with people. Luckily, I have you that I can do that with, and that's important. But Peter may have never had that. And so, you know, there's just those kind of things that go on, but... You know, obviously they tackled other things throughout their career as far as, like, you know, lyrical content and ideas, but... I, I do like the whole, like, they they approach things in kind of a fantasy. Yeah, and yeah. They blend it all together. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so that is Typo Negative's October Rust, and I uh, hope you all enjoyed this. I enjoyed it. Still holds up for me. Um, me too. I, you're the one who introduced me. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a little far off mic. The cat is trying to climb the tarantulas. Um, and that is a true statement. The cat is trying to climb the tarantulas. Into yeah, she's trying to get on top of the, the shelving and yeah. stuff. And it's like, she's just, she's getting hungry. So she knows how to annoy us at the greatest <laughs> expense. But what was I even saying? God damn it. I introduced you to... Oh, you introduced me to Typo Negative. I never knew about them until I met you in 2002. But, um, yeah, ultimately, uh, still a great band. Uh, as I said, uh, the music very holds up, and uh, they are loved, beloved all over the world, and, uh, it was fun doing this. So uh, we like doing this once a month where we revisit a record. I think next month, uh, right now, I think the idea is to do Sabotage's Hall of the Mountain King. I think we're going to touch on that. Yeah, and that's not something I've ever done a deep dive on, like, at all. Right. 
because she's familiar with a couple tracks off that record, mainly the name title, but uh, I really love that record a lot, so again, it's going to be fun to kind of revisit that. Uh, you know, this one was a little bit longer than even the, the previous one with Day, just because their songs on Typo is a little bit longer, but uh, Sabotage is a little bit shorter, three to five minute song, so... <laughs> Uh, but either way, like, you know... We enjoy it, doing it regardless. Right. We talked about a lot of cool stuff and reminisced about stuff that appealed to us or apply to us when it comes to discussing the work of Typo Negative. So hopefully you all enjoyed this, and uh, we'll see you next time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and support Metals Heaven Radio, please. I'm yeah, check us out on YouTube. Uh and uh yeah i'll have this on the pod being with the podcast with the audio and then i'm going to upload it as audio only to the youtube channel so you guys can check it out there as well and as always we are on www.metaltavernradio.com cheers folks the big boy.